Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So there are certain times throughout history where something has happened, you know, maybe an important event or an invention that really pushes civilization dramatically forward, right? And we've talked about a few of these before. I always go back to the printing press. I think that one was pretty important because, you know, before that, people didn't have access to books. Only There was like one book in the town, right, that everybody would, would gather around, but they couldn't read. So it'd be one person reading that if they, if they were lucky. So, you know, with the printing press, they were able to make all these books and it meant that more people had access to information and knowledge which meant that more people wanted to learn how to read. It wasn't just for the rich and the powerful and books were everywhere. So that to me is one of those times in history where things just moved forward quickly. And if I'm thinking of another one, there are a lot of them, but another one would be the invention of penicillin. That's an antibiotic that was able to cure diseases that used to just claim people. Imagine getting sick, something simple today, and that just meant you were going to die, right? Something that we could go to the doctor for today get a prescription, get better. So that was another thing that was really important in my opinion. So I want to talk about today another really important event in history. And we've mentioned it before, but we've never actually talked about it. So that is the Industrial Revolution. And one way to kind of break down the word before we even start talking about it is like industry, right? That means like business and and uh, the, well, not the economy, but well, kind of, but you know, just like business as a whole, factories, things like that. So Imagine it's the late 1700s and you work for maybe a clothing manufacturer, someone who makes clothing, and it's your job to make shirts, which would mean that you would be spending all your day sewing shirts by hand. Connor, have you ever sewed anything by hand? I'm assuming. Oh, gosh, I I think back when I was like a Boy Scout, I had to do that for a merit badge or something. It was not a pretty, uh, pretty thing at all. (laughs) So I actually love sewing by hand. I can't use a sewing machine, but I find it really therapeutic to sew by hand. Hmm. But it's not. But I've never done it for, you know, 12 hours a day. So it's tough. And eventually your hands and your wrists really start to hurt. But of course, if you're living back then, you have to make a living. And so you probably weren't rich enough to go to college or to, you know, to, to learn a different skill. And so this is what you had to do. But um, if you're someone who didn't work for a clothing company, you would have to buy the shirts, right? And imagine how long it would take or how little variety you would have to get these clothes if you had to wait for everyone to sew them by hand. And, you know, what we know is when there's fewer things available, the cost goes up, right? Because they're worth more. And so this is happening. Nobody's really benefiting from it, right? Because you've got the workers who are tired. You've got the people who don't have access to as many clothes, you know, items of clothing. So then comes the invention of machines. And it wasn't just shirts. I'm just using this as an example. But all of a sudden, shirts didn't have to be sewn by hand anymore, right? You had these factories where people weren't spending hours sewing. In fact, they could learn new skills too, because they were learning how to operate these machines or maybe it, it, it allowed them to go do something else. So not only could these small shops, you know, move into bigger factories, uh, or sorry, now that they, they could do that, move into bigger factories, hire more workers, it was really like a win-win for everybody. So then comes the 1800s, and this is when trains are invented. And this to me is another, well, this is part of it, but it just is such a cool thing to me because now not only can the shirt company ship products or just like sell products to people like in the town, Now they could ship their products to other people all over the place, right? Which meant that you could also 
get new goods shipped to you as well. Mm -hmm. So just imagine how much more variety you had in almost everything because now you have transportation, which also meant you could travel further than you've ever traveled before. So you could learn more about other places, see big cities. Maybe maybe you decide you like a big city more, so you want to move. Like this was huge for civilization. So this period that I'm talking about in between about 1750 to 1850, but it also kind of went in the early 1900s, this is known as the Industrial Revolution, and it just completely changed the world. This took us from a society doing everything by hand, you know, like machines and factories, which it's funny because if you've ever seen pictures of these machines, they do not look very high <laughs> at all, at all. Some of them were even powered by water, I believe. Uh, what were they? What's the the wheels <laughs> with the water? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but I can't remember what they're me. called. There's a, there's a homework assignment for you guys. So um, this wasn't just happening in one place, right? This was happening everywhere. Um, and in America, it started around 1730. So just to give you perspective, that's 70 or 47 years before the revolution. So it started with a place called Slater's Mill, and that was in Rhode Island. And the mill was basically, it was what you would call a textile factory. So what does that mean? What is a textile? It's raw material, right? So let's go back to the clothing analogy. It would be like the yarn or the fabric that would then be sent to another factory that would use it to make clothes. So it'd be like steel, you know, that's going to be used to, to make something else as a textile. So by the 1800s, America would become the leader of the Industrial Revolution, actually, which I think is pretty cool because this is a brand new country, you know, and we've just gone through a very expensive, very, you know, deadly, very economically straining war, but, but we were still able to to really become titans of industry, as they say. And, you know, American inventors, they were responsible for the telegraph later on, the sewing machine, the telephone, um, the light bulb, and uh, rubber. So a lot, a lot of cool things. So this also resulted, though, you have to think about it, now that other people could get to other places and that there were more jobs in cities, this meant rural areas where people... You were born and you pretty much knew that you were going to be a farmer because there really wasn't anything else for you to do. But now people were able to move. They were able to get you know jobs in big cities, which means cities were growing, you know, more crowded and, and getting more opportunities. So this seems like, I think, like looking back at it, right, that these were the kind of advancements that would make everybody in society happy. But did everyone feel this way, Connor? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big fat no. This, this to me is kind of the, the weird thing about technological progress is that it's so helpful to so many people, but it is disruptive. It disrupts the status quo. In other words, what, what is currently happening. And there are many people who throughout every age of history, they are comfortable with the status quo. They've got a decent job. They're providing for themselves fine. But man, if you were a hand sewer, you know, if you're like a weaver that's just sitting there doing manual labor and along comes these machines, you're going to feel like that's competition and everyone's going to start all these companies. They're going to start buying machines rather than hiring weavers or sewers because it's more economical for them. They can lower the cost, which means they can produce way more. And then they can distribute those to farther places to, to serve and, and sell to even more people. So for a business owner, it often makes a lot of sense to lower your, your production costs, the costs it takes you to produce something. 
And so the workers who are being displaced or disrupted, they often get very defensive. They often, you know, lash out against new technology. Uh, there's a there's a term called Luddites. A Luddite is a person who generally is uh, resistant to, you know, technology, especially new technology. Apparently this was named after a guy with the last name Ludd who, you know, led this movement or whatever. But Luddites are the name we use or the term we use for people who act this way. And this has happened like forever. I mean, it happens today. Think of fast food restaurants. Uh, this weekend I flew to Sacramento. And I went through the airport and I needed to grab a bite of, uh, to eat before getting on the plane. So I looked around different restaurants and at most of the different restaurants, they had little computers, little kiosks where you would place the order for your food. And then, you know, there were people back in the kitchen for now. There's still humans <laughs> in the kitchen making the food, although there are new robots being developed to automate all of that as well. And it was very interesting to me to see how, uh, I don't know, popular, how common these little kiosks were. Because back in the day, quote unquote, you would have to pay for someone to just stand there at the cash register and push buttons on the, um, on the computer, on the cash register. Well, why can't we push buttons, you know, rather than having to repeat to someone who may press the wrong button and get our order wrong? What if I could just press the button myself and see exactly what I'm getting Right. And so it makes a lot of sense. And yet there are countless people, I mean, in fast food in these restaurants who have objected to being replaced by this technology, technology which lowers costs, which they can pass that cost savings on to the consumer, you know, saves money, helps the business generate more money. And yes, it's unfortunate to the people who in, uh, in this case are losing their jobs. But imagine a world in which we never advanced technology or improved things because it might put someone out of a job. I mean, we would have no technology. You would have no planes. You know, I just, as I said, flew over the weekend. We would have to be in trains. Well, I mean, trains put carriages out of business, you know, and yeah. <laughs> everything is putting someone out of business, but it's making the world better. It's allowing us to go further, faster. It's making us more prosperous. So this disruption is a good thing. It's, it's painful to the people who are being disrupted, no doubt right? No doubt. But if we were to have a world in which we use the government to, to stop, you know, the competition, to stop the innovation, we're, we're asking to just have mediocrity, to not have the good things in life that come through innovation. I mean, right now, I, I just shared a modern example with these restaurants and these, uh, these devices. But right now, there's another big thing happening with AI, and uh, artificial intelligence. People are, are just as scared of this technology as they have been for centuries. Um, so, so ChatGPT is the name of one of these that came out uh, not too long ago. And this artificial intelligence has the ability to write articles, to write uh, you know Facebook posts, to come up with tweets for marketing, to write business plans, to write poetry, all kinds of stuff. And it's not perfect and it has problems, but it is just the beginning of a huge wave of technological innovation that is coming our way. And, and, you know, imagine if when I've used chat GPT myself, it feels like I have for free, I have access to the world's smartest tutor. 
any question I have, I can throw it in there. And, you know, I have to be careful. Not everything it says is true. And so you kind of have to learn uh, when to verify something. But, you know, hey, I've got this idea. I'm, I need to kick around some ideas for a weekend trip with my family. Oh, here's some ideas. And the more I tell it, the better it gets. Oh, hey, here are the ages of my children. Here are the things that we like to do as a family. Here's where we live. What are some ideas? And then it comes up with some ideas. You asked that, really? What's that? I didn't realize you could. So I've always used it you know, to help with writing, but you're using almost like Google. Yeah, a lot of people are using it. In fact, Google's really scared for this exact reason because a lot of people go to Google and they'll search, you know, best restaurant in Denver or you know, most common uh, challenges for homeschooling, or uh, I, I have these symptoms, you know, what's the disease? Uh, I used it when I was writing one of my recent books. I remembered that there was this story of this World War II general who defied orders and just, you know, did what he thought was important to win the day, and then he won the battle and everyone celebrated, but he, he defied the orders of his superiors where they told him to wait. And I was like, what was that guy's name? And I searched Google again and again, nothing was coming up. And um, I threw the same question over to ChatGPT and I got it right. Hmm. And so, you know, again, it's not perfect. Again, there's issues with using it. We can get into that another day. The point is that here's Google, the most <laughs> biggest successful company in the world. And they are scared of being disrupted by this artificial intelligence. High school teachers are really worried right now because if kids can just go to chat GPT and say, hey, give me an essay about this and customize it this way to make it kind of unique and say these things and boom, there you've got it. They're worried because their current model, their authoritarian teaching model, where they expect kids to just memorize and regurgitate information, that model is going to be disrupted. In a world, I mean, again, like, why do I need to know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell? Why did I need to memorize that 30 years ago if at any point I can just Google that? And so similarly, why do we need to, like, memorize all this stuff or do all these things when in the future we can ask artificial intelligence? Now, there's a lot of interesting questions here about what's the appropriate level for humanity to tolerate a technology like this so that we don't lose our humanity so that's kind of a fascinating side topic but the technology is coming it's going to make our lives better in a lot of ways yes there will be a lot of downsides it's like guns right you can use it to thwart a evil government you can use it for hunting you can use it to stop a bad guy invading your home but also guns are used in very horrible ways too same thing with the internet and social media and technology in general. It'll be that case, that way with artificial intelligence. And so this to me, Brittany, as we've talked about the industrial revolution, it's important to go back, I think, in time and learn about it with a open mind because at the time we have to remember that there were people pushing back, fighting against the techno technological innovation because they were being disrupted. We are in a modern industrial revolution, a technological revolution today. And those same arguments are happening. This is why we always say those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. And so we should learn from the past by learning about the Industrial Revolution, by learning about the Luddites, by learning about the people who fought against progress. And we can learn from that to see how it's happening today and how we can support progress and support innovation despite so many people today fighting it because it disrupts their lives. So history is repeating itself. It's a cycle. Here we go again. It's a modern industrial revolution. We've only touched lightly on the actual so-called industrial revolution. 
So if this has sparked some curiosity, you got uh, some fun homework and reading that you can do. Uh, the internet's chock full of information about how amazing so many aspects of the industrial revolution. Or maybe revolution chat GPT. Were. Maybe ask chat GPT. Ask chat GPT. <laughs> what are some good sources to learn about the industrial revolution? Brittany, thanks as always. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.